Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Come on, side, side, Hey, this is Come On Son, it's the podcast, it's me, Ed Lover, brought to you by CigarsInternational.com. Go to CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. Let's get right into it. Ed, 10 off, promo at checkout, gets you 10% off your entire purchase, and locally by Nissan South Mile, 6889 Jonesboro Row. Let's get into it, because I think, I think we've been on a roll lately with these podcasts, man. We, we've been doing a lot of shit. I had uh, Montel Jordan, your Grammy-nominated dude right there, T-Pain, and now Rock City, Grammy-nominated Rock City, and the brains behind Rihanna's Pour It Up. Yeah. Welcome to the show, bro. Yeah, man. It's not, it's not, How it's you not doing, brother? Straight here. straight from St. Thomas, huh? St. Thomian? Yeah, man. You don't know. St. Thomas. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> my baby mama from St. Thomas. I yes. know, bro. Yes. I've been in St. Nice. Thomas. I, I fell in love with my wife in St. Thomas, man. That was the first trip yeah. that I took with, with my wife. The first trip, because you know when you you first date a woman, you got to be like, can I go away with this motherfucker and have a good time? Because if I can't, this shit is over with. And we went to St. Thomas together. I had a great Yo, time, and all these years later, we still again. Let me tell you something, right? You have no idea <clears throat> how how much of a big deal this is for me to be sitting here being interviewed by you. Like, as a kid, growing up, watching your MTV raps with you and Dr. Dre. Y'all had your MTV raps at St. Thomas? Hell yeah, we had your son. MTV raps Told y'all I'm international, nigga. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, you know, my father raised me the right way, and I respect the OGs, and I respect Thank the Thank you, brother. At this game, man, and you know, it's being able to to see watch people, you know, growing up in the Virgin Islands, anybody we see on TV is a celebrity for us, right? You know what I mean, like like always and forever, like it never dies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So you know, like it's a it's a pleasure to be able to be here. Thank you, my brother. Being interviewed by a legend. So Thank you, my song. brother. I I appreciate it. How did you How did you get into music, man? How did you and your brother get into music? To be honest, um, so our, both our parents were. were we're into music as far as just having a love and passion for, for an appreciation for music, hip hop music, especially, <clears throat> which, um, you know, is rare coming from the Caribbean. Right. And like I say, like me and my brother would be glued to the TV every day watching your MTV rap mm. show. And, you know, back then, all the rappers danced in the videos. Right. You know, Heavy D, Chub Rock. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Kid and Play. Everybody <laughs> danced. So me and my brother just started out mimicking all the dance moves we see in the rap videos. And then my father was like, ooh, that's what my kid's going to be, dancers. And then Criss Cross came out. Changed our life. Really? Changed our life forever. Rest in peace to my man. You know, I toured with them for a long time. Yeah. Um, rest in peace to Chris Kelly, man. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, I gave Chris Kelly... <laughs> <laughs> this is real shit. When Chris Kelly lost his virginity, I gave him the condom. <laughs> I did. He was in the room right next door to mine. And he knocked uh, on my door for a condom. <laughs> I gave his first condom. I, I missed that dude. Hey, that was my guy, too, man. Chris Kelly was the. How did Chris Cross think? Because Chris Cross made y'all think y'all could do this? Yeah. Um, you know, we were we were a lot younger than them at the time when, when they hit the scene. And um, they sold a lot of fucking yeah, records, man. Yeah, man. A lot of and records. So me and my brother just saw them as kids doing hip hop, right? And we, for us, we felt like, oh, kids could do this too. We were kids, so we were like, oh shit, 
So, you know, we started rapping all their songs and learning the lyrics to all their songs, uh-huh. wearing our clothes backwards. Pants, <laughs> yeah, we were the only kids on the island doing it. <laughs> so, of course, we stood out like, what the hell is this? You know what exactly. What they bomb Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, um, <clears throat> eventually that led to my father just having a vision of seeing that, you know, or believing that we could be much more than just backup dancers, mm-hmm. you know? And... um. So my father found a local guy on the island to start writing songs for us. And we would go around the island performing, you know, these songs until eventually we started writing our own songs. And before you know it, we became the biggest group in the Virgin Islands making hip-hop music uh-huh. on an island, which is crazy. But true story, though. And then, um, you know, eventually after we graduated out of high school, we wanted to um, pursue our dreams beyond just the Virgin Islands. So we moved to... Miami, it was the cheapest plane ticket. We had family there. Because <laughs> um, that's what I think a lot of people understand. Is St. Thomas is the U.S. Virgin yeah, Islands, okay? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's part of the United yeah, States of America. You don't, okay? need a, you don't need a passport to go there. Yeah, you don't need no passport. Yeah. You just get on a plane and go to St. Thomas, okay? Yeah. So when them coming to Miami, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But all they needed was a plane ticket. It's like going to Puerto Rico. It's exactly. the same shit. Exactly. It's very simple. So... After we um we found ourselves in Miami, you know, um chasing this this music dream, this d- desire to be artists, and it didn't it wasn't really working out in Miami. So, me and my brother were like flipping a coin, like yo, we. Fought. How long did y'all stay in Miami? Maybe roughly like eight to nine months. Okay. Yeah, and then you know we just felt like the birthplace of hip hop was New York. We felt like we needed to be in New York. <laughs> Or Atlanta at the time, because Atlanta, you know, the hip-hop scene was... I'm glad you didn't go to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all from the U.S. Virgin Islands, you'd have fucking died. You'd have froze your ass off I know, right? I know. Jeez, I'm glad you didn't go to New York. Way too cold up there. Yeah, way too cold. But I mean, um, don't get me wrong, I love it in New York, though. Like, right. Actually, my you know my first time going to New York and every other time after that, I love New York City. I love the people, the culture. The that vibe is different. Yeah. Ain't it? Oh my yeah, god! I love, the, I love the energy up there. Yeah, I go for the energy, and then I'm like, all right, enough of this dirty shit. Yeah. Time to go back, and I'm like, from New York. Like my my brother don't really like going up there too much. You know what I mean? But um, I I love going up there. You know, I have family up there, I have friends up there. Right. Is a is a huge Virgin Islands community. Yes, sir. <laughs> huge Caribbean community, period. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So we ended up coming to Atlanta. Um, crazy story is a local Virgin Islands promoter was doing a show in Atlanta and reached out to us via email to um, open up for the show. Okay. And so me and my brother, you know, saw that as a sign. We felt like, well, maybe Atlanta is where we need to be. Came here, set up shop, and been here since. And, and know, how long ago was that? Um, we came here in 2002, maybe, and then we moved back to St. Thomas in 04 for a year. Okay. And then moved right back. Why, why, why you go back to St. Thomas? So, short version, we were working with these producers based out of St. Louis, did a whole album with them, was on the verge of signing with them. Um, um, monies got really, really bad with them, so they sent us back to St. Thomas for like two weeks. That was the plan, so they could work on, you know, getting their, their money back up and taking us to labels to shop for a deal and a situation so we could put this album out. And they sent us to St. Thomas with no intentions of bringing us back. And me and my brother were, were way too driven. What people don't understand is I'm from St. Thomas, Virgin Islands, 32 square miles. What me and my brother have accomplished, what we have done, what we are doing has never been done mm. ever in history. Right. Of the Caribbean, Virgin Islands, you know what I mean? So... This dream wasn't realistic to us until we actually made the dream come true. Right. You know what I mean? So, sending us back to St. Thomas, you know, they they were under the impression that we're going to just stay there. Right. And we were like, nope. (laughs) Me and my brother both had two jobs each. And we were, you know, doing some stuff that we shouldn't have been doing in the street. <laughs> you know, we did whatever we had to do to to get our, our money right to move back to Atlanta to continue pursuing this dream. Right. Here we are. Yeah. And 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 how does one go about doing that? Because one of the hardest things for anybody to do is to figure out, you know, the, the number one rec- question is how do I get put on? How do I get on? How do I get on? I think Ollie, um, what, what really helped us out a lot was Ollie in our career as artists, our father was very adamant about us having a really good live show. Okay. And... You know, mine, like, I, I grew up watching the best of the best. 
<clears throat> from the hip hop artists to the dance hall artists, right? Greatest entertainers, performers, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, you name them, right? And me and my brother have been performing on a stage in front of audiences since I was five years old. Okay, you know what I mean. So this ain't something that we just started. So when we moved to Atlanta. We wasn't sure about our music as far as whether it was great, good, bad. What we were sure about is you pour us on that stage and nobody could fuck with us. Right. I don't care who you bring. It could be Michael Jackson. Right. He, he going to have to bring his double A game fucking with me and my brother. Right. For real. Because we coming to kill everything. Right. You know, and when we first moved here, that's how we kind of get our foot in the door from doing talent shows. Best of the best, Jack the Rapper, you name it. All the talent shows that came through Atlanta during that time when we first moved here, we did every last one of them. Right. And we were winning every talent show. We won so much that it stopped us from competing. They told us we couldn't compete no more because we had to give other people a chance to win. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of shit is that? Nobody tell the NBA team they can't win, right? If you win, you're winning. Right. And you know, y'all step your game up. Hell yeah. And you know, for us, right then, I knew. It was something special about us because we were performing this one record called Bang It. And nobody understood what the fuck we were saying. But they, what they did understand is us on that stage, it was something magical about that. Right. And we sold it every time we performed it. And for me, I felt like for people in Atlanta that come out to our show, these 80 aliens, and we competing against 80 aliens they bring their whole hood out yeah. their whole hood in the building singing all the words and we still win and we only have like one or two people in the building with us how did we still win right because we that fucking great yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> so you converted the people in the audience to being like you know that's my man and i came out for my uh, that's for my man like they like to say goddamn down here that's my man goddamn but them motherfuckers bust your ass. Yeah, man. It ain't know? no two ways about that. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like during that time, it were a few artists from Atlanta, from other places that were performing during that time that gave me and my brother a run for our money. Like, yeah, like who? Like Willie Joe from the Bay Area. He was definitely one of them every time. Anybody that's familiar with that moment of when we were going through our talent show run knows right. Rock City and Willie Joe. How did y'all come with the name Rock City? So cool story I'm about to give you a history lesson um, St. Thomas Virgin Islands is nicknamed Rock City because it's very mountainous and very rocky it's been that nickname for years since before I was born before my parents were born and um, so that's where the name originally comes from um, right. St. Croix is nicknamed Twin City St. John is nicknamed Love City right so we from St. Thomas we from, from Rock City from Rock City okay you know alright I, mean? I can dig it why, why, well, you explained to me kind of like why you delve into the hip-hop. The hip-hop was was embedded in you from your dad. Yeah. Your hip-hop gave you, your father gave you that love of, of hip-hop music. How did you go from the performing aspect of what you wanted to do with Rock City, and you guys still doing your thing as artists, to that go-to production team? So what happened was while we were on the mission of, of pursuing this this um, dream of being artists here in Atlanta and doing talent shows, you know, after a while we just start to feel like we've done all the talent shows. <laughs> like, <isn't laughs> Twice. It, you know I mean? Yeah, you know, we've won so much that they stopped us from competing. Like, right. where else do we go from here? Like, why haven't we got a record deal yet? Why, you know, if we feel like maybe the right people ain't been seeing us. And then our manager was... At the time, still our manager today, Ray Daniels, um, was like, yo, I mean, like, y'all always wrote music for yourself. Y'all ever considered writing music for other artists? And we were like, nah, not really. And he was like, why don't you give it a shot? And, you know, at the time, we were broke, struggling artists here in Atlanta trying to figure it out. Around a bunch of Atlanta people, we the only Caribbean people in the room feeling very, very outcast-ish. Like, you know what I mean? But... We were willing to go through that to, to get to where we at now and even further. And so um, we start writing songs and, you know, we actually were locked in this one studio that our manager had at the time where me and my brother um, wrote 400 songs. Wow. And to this day, we only sold one song out of those 400 what songs. What song is that? Did you it was a song called Music for Love that we wrote for Mario. Okay. Yeah. By the way, Mario is is still by far one of the greatest male vocalists of this 
time of this generation. And nobody don't give that man his, his props and his cred. That man is wicked when it comes <laughs> to the vocals, for real. Big shout out to Mario, yeah, man. That's my Mario. guy right there. Yeah. That is my dude right there. How did I, So... You guys just started writing songs. Do you play? Do you so so? Nah, we don't we don't like we don't play no instruments. I don't know how to read music. None of that stuff. But I do know harmonies, melodies. Whether that's in the right key or in the wrong key, and that's a God given talent. Cause nobody in our family does music. No one. No one ever. How yeah. the fuck you know that shit, son? I don't know. It's just like, maybe because we've been doing it for so long, it just becomes second nature to me. Uh huh. You know what I mean? So it's like, everything is just natural. And then like, you know, after the Mario placement, then, you know, we kind of start getting a few phone calls about, you know, writing songs. So we were like, I guess this is how we're going to pay our bills. This is how we're going to pay. <laughs> and, you know, man, Did we, the Mario placement pay well? Um, Not really. That was like one of our first placements, you know, as writers. And, you know, especially back then, you know, this music business used to treat writers like shit. Right. You know what I mean? It was all about producers. It was so producer-driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still producer-driven to a certain extent. You know what I mean? But thanks to, to, to people like Sean Garrett and Neil, you know, like they really changed the game for, for songwriters mm -hmm. as far as, you know, allowing songwriters to get compensated right. you know, for our work because... You know, it is is you don't when you turn on the radio and you're listening to songs, there's no song playing with no with just the instrumental. That's true. You know what I mean? You can't you can't just sell an instrumental with, without a song to an artist. So who's who do who does the music for you? Um, different producers, man. Like when we first moved here, we, you know, we were we were working. Believe it or not, we were under um organized noise. Um, really? Yeah, Dungeon Family. Fuck out of here. Yeah, Rico Wade and 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 Ray Murray. Like yeah. Sleepy Brown, all them dudes, man. All them dudes is family, yo. Wow. For real. Like and, and to be honest, um the the, the dungeon family is the, is is literally the first people to really, really truly embrace me and my brother and show us love here in Atlanta. Oh wow. Just good dudes. Musically and just all around. You know what I mean? Like Rico Wade like literally paid me and my brother bills for a year. Oh shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like that's a man. Like he, anytime he call me, my brother reach out for anything. I I would drop anything I doing to 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 make sure them man straight and them man good because they really look out for me and my brother. Oh wow, you know what I mean? They, they, they didn't it's amazing. Have to. Small world. Six degrees of yeah. separation is fucking for real. Bro. Yeah. So like I said, man, like you know, as a hip hop baby, man, for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That that's crazy. How did how did the Sean Kingston song? Where did that so come from? So Sean Kingston, um, at the time we were we were doing a lot of writing with uh, Jr. Rodham. Yeah. And uh, Zach Katz, who had recently signed Sean. Well, how did y'all meet them? Um, To be honest, I don't really remember how how we got connected, but some somebody reached out to our manager, uh -huh. and then that's how we got connected, and then we, we flew out to L.A. to go work with them. And, you know, they had just signed Sean Kingston. Uh -huh. He had um his first single out there, Your Way to Beautiful yeah. Girl. And um they were like, yo, this Caribbean kid, Amazing talent, you know what I mean? And we just don't really know who to bring in to work with him. And the first person we thought of was you guys, seeing as though y'all are from the Virgin Islands. Right. So we go work with them. We did a bunch of records. Um, We end up getting actually five songs on that first album. We did five songs on that first Sean Kingston album. Wow. Yeah. And um, after Sean Kingston, you know, we work with Ayaz, who also signed to JR. Uh -huh. And um, uh, Jason Derulo, we work with him as well. And, you know, our our first placement that really opened the door, like, oh, shit, Rock City, our songwriters, was we, um this was before, crazy story, ironically, me and my brother and T-Pain was signed to the same label. Y'all were all under Akon? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um so while um being signed, prior to us signing to Akon, we wrote a record for Akon. And Akon's second album, Convicted. It was a record named The Rain. Mm -hmm. It was track five on the album. And um, it was a song that me and my brother originally wrote when we were in the seventh or eighth grade. Oh, wow. And then, you know, we just tweaked the words to make it more personal to Akon. Mm -hmm. And after that happened, you know, at the time, Akon was known for writing and producing all his own music. Yeah, so, hell yeah. Uh, you know, word got out that Rock City wrote a song for Akon. And then that, that 
started generating a lot of work our way. This is after the Sean Kingston stuff? This is before the Sean Before Kingston Sean stuff. Kingston, okay. Yeah, and then we signed to Akon as artists. Mm-hmm. When we signed to Akon as artists, um, it was really, really tough because, um, honestly, I, I, I could say I felt like Akon always had the best intentions, but the timing was maybe wasn't the best, and the label at the time wasn't the best. There were a lot of things going on internally at Interscope at that time that was way out of our control, and we just, you know, get caught up in a, in the mix of all that mm, stuff going that on. fucking sucks. Unfortunately. Yeah. So... While being signed to Akon, we had a record that we were about to go with um, called Bang It, the same record that we would, right. would be performing in Atlanta. We had a, um, a version with Buster Rhymes on it, and we were ready to go. And um, Jimmy Iovine didn't believe in the record at all. So we had to go back to the drawing board, come up with another record. And a record that we actually wrote for another artist at the time, our A&R at the time, um, felt like that's the single. That's it. It was a record called Losing It. It's up on YouTube, iTunes, all that stuff. It's, it's um, not one of my favorite records. And um, the reason being is because I have, I had and I still have an image in my mind of how I wish the wall was introduced to Rock City right. as artists. And, you know, that moment was completely shot to shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... um. Losing it wasn't that for me. Great record, but it wasn't that for me. And I, what that did is now that created uh, this is who Rock City is to me, to the consumer. Right. Now you expect records like that. Anything out the norm of that to you is like, the fuck is these niggas doing? Right. When is, but this is what we've been doing. That other shit is the shit that they train have us to do now. Right. You know, so um, anyway, we, 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 we went through the whole struggling artist at the label trying to figure it out. And like we, you know, we had real issues with Akon. No street issue, just internal issues. Like we were friends before signing to Akon. Like we, right. we were really friends. And, you know, he was busy being the biggest artist in the world while we stuck with Jimmy Iovine trying to figure this out. Right. And we tried our best to give the label everything they were asking for. And we just felt like um, this label might not be the best situation for us. You know what I mean? Great label, but not the best for us and what we're trying to do. So then we get off the label, went in another Was body. that difficult? That was very difficult. But Because what, you're friends. Yeah, yeah. And and um, believe it or not, what kept us afloat throughout all of this, because like after the Akon deal, it was another bad deal and another bad deal. You know what I mean? And, and what kept us afloat throughout all of this is this God-given talent of being able to write songs for other artists right. that just so happen to turn out to be hits. You know what I mean? And and that's been keeping us afloat. Mm. You know, so um, while trying, you know, get, get everything situated and sorted out on the artist side, we've been continuously putting in work on the writing side because for us, we feel like as long as the name Rock City is still spoken in rooms and conversations in today's climate of the music business, then, you know, that's something to, mm. to feel great Absolutely. about. Absolutely. You got to put out 15 mixtapes? Yeah. We point out a lot of work. Like, <laughs> the crazy thing is, like, it's still people discovering us as artists every day. Right. You know, it's times I go places and people is like, dude, like, all this time I know you from, like, I just the other day I went um, Publix to buy a sub sandwich. And the dude that's serving me my sandwich is like, yo, I, I, um, I come across your Instagram by a friend of mine. And I was like, yo, this dude, I just see him in Publix all the time. I go check out your music, and I didn't know that that's who you was. Like, I'm actually familiar with who you are, and I was a fan from back in the day. And I used to be like, yo, whatever happened to them? I didn't even know that y'all was still putting on music. And he was like, dude, like, I never knew that that was you. And i such a fan, and, you know, and it's really cool, man, you know, because, you know, as artists, we, we, we go in the studio, we gain our little bubble and we be creative and we make these songs we make music just expressing ourselves, expressing our life our struggles our pain our happiness and we pull it out to the wall and anybody that embraced that in any type of way to me that's that's the the greatest form of of just showing somebody that you love and appreciate what they do you know what i mean and for me that's that's 
that continuously I want to get up and make music every day because I feel like even if it's only five people that love and appreciate my music, my music does something great for those five people. You know what I mean? And I'm able to sleep great at night knowing that my music helps some, make somebody feel better about their day or a bad moment. You know? Right. When did, when, what was your first Grammy? Um, so here's the thing. Me and my brother actually never won a physical Grammy. Uh-huh. And what people don't understand is that as songwriters, you don't you don't win Grammys. Like you get like a certificate, a Grammy certificate, you know, but you don't you know Let him give you a fucking Grammy. That, let me tell you what. Let me, she, listen to this. Say. It's my Grammy. I let me tell Grammy. you this. They give they give producers Grammys. They don't give songwriters Grammys. Never. Even if it if it wins album of the year. Even if it wins album of the year. I thought everybody associated with the shit get a Grammy. Mm-mm. I thought once it becomes album of the year, everybody that tell, worked you know on something? that album is supposed to get a Grammy. You know some. I don't know. We, we they, they get the certificates and they get the little medal. Not everybody get the actual. Yeah. Medal. Okay. Yeah. You still won a Grammy. They won Grammys, but they never got a Grammy. Yeah. Well, I want a fucking Grammy. I don't yeah. want the fucking certificate. I'll tell you what. Like, um, my brother ain't here with me right now, but right. Like, my brother, the version of, but well, not even the version of my brother. My brother is this type of person. My brother want the Grammys and all the best accolades out there in the world and to be recognized on all those platforms. And he should feel like that because we from motherfucking St. Thomas Virgin. Right. Like, we had to work hard as shit to get where we at. You know what I mean? Me, on the other hand, I, I don't necessarily care about all of that. I care about the connection between the music and the people. I don't. I ain't gonna lie to you. The fame, the money, the cars, the clothes, the girls, all of that shit, like... All of that shit is things that come and go. You know what I mean? But that, that connection between the people and the music and between you and the people. Right. That's everlasting. As, as long as you sincere and you real with the people and with, about yourself, like you said, that's everlasting. That's everlasting that's shit. That's something that no, no because what you Because what you just said to me when you sat down um, means a lot to me. Because I know I made that, from your TV rights, we made that connection with the people. Absolutely. And, and that's what keeps me going along. Somebody hits me with, I grew up on you, man. You you changed my life. You yep. you know, people from other countries, I learned to speak English watching you every yep. day. I didn't like, know yo, let me, let, shit like, about this like, shit. Yo, true true story. Like when me and my brother first started rapping, we originally started rapping like New York rappers. Because <laughs> all we knew was New York hip hop. Right. That's all we knew. So when we started rapping, like, I ain't going to even lie to you. Let me tell you how real it is. I thought Criss Cross was from New York. <laughs> the same way the, the average American person thinks every Caribbean person is Jamaican. Yeah, everyone. I thought every American person was from New York City. <laughs> I was a kid, and I was living in St. Thomas. We didn't know no better. Yeah, we, we did. You know that. We really did. Nice, Jamaican. No, I'm from St. Thomas. Nice. <laughs> Jamaican. Like, yo, it, it, it'd be to a point where I'd be like, yeah, now I'm from the Virgin Islands. Oh, really? What, what, what part of Jamaica is that? <laughs> 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 How did Pour It Up come about? Uh, so Pour It Up, um, we, we linked up with Mike Will. Um, shout out to Mike Will. Good dude, um, talented producer. How you just link up with Mike Will? Was it an introduction? You just so, said that nonchalantly. Yeah, we link up with I Mike tell you, Will. So, so what happened is, um, you know, you work hard enough until you no longer have to introduce yourself. Right. As a firm believer in that. And it got to a point to where I, I I don't remember exactly how we connected with Mike Will, but somewhere somehow we ended up in a room with Mike Will. Yeah, um, my mom was supposed to do Kerry. Come. Oh, that's where it was. Yes. So they they reached out to us to get in with um Kerry Hilson and Mike Will. Right. That was a, our first introduction to Mike Will. And then the Rihanna writing camp in L.A. And then they did a yep. Then they did a um, Rihanna writing camp in L.A. But they did a, they did what a, the fuck is a Rihanna writing camp? So this is what you got to understand. People listening to this don't know what this shit <laughs> okay. is. So what in the world is a Rihanna writing so, camp? Do do Beyonce have writing camps? I, I I'm sure they do. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. I'm sure they do. She, what is a Rihanna? Beyonce. What is a Rihanna writing camp? So a Rihanna writing camp or a writing camp for an artist is this: the label gets the best producers, best writers or top producers, top writers, or their favorite producers and writers, 
and put them all in a studio and we are working on songs for Rihanna new album that is all you are working on all day every day while you are here these are some of the ideas and they pay we, for this shit yeah they we, pay you for it too well well you know they they pay for travel well, how the fuck are you supposed to? They pay for your hotel too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the eating is on you though. Yeah. No, no I mean usually writing camps have a food budget. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most majority yeah. of the times writing camps would have a food budget. The fuck out of here. Yep. And um, so this is something that they actually start doing recently. And not not recently. It's been happening at least over the past at least six seven years now. Right. You know what I mean? And um, I think it's really cool that that labels did that. You know what I mean? I feel like could could you imagine? How amazing, uh, our, uh, whoever our favorite artist was back then, right? Uh, let's say Marvin Gaye writing camp. Marv, imagine a Marvin Gaye writing camp. Imagine if you had all Michael the, Jackson the writing best, camp, the best writers and producers all in in one studio working on records for Michael Jackson, Bob Marley, Stevie Wonder. You know how amazing that. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, now, like Stevie, right? His own shit. They, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here! I can't see you, but get out of here. That's an inner vision we would never yeah, be able to understand. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Stevie. I don't need that. Prince, Prince was not. Prince would never yeah, have that. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. I'm writing, producing my own. But shit. but I tell you what, um, it takes a lot for an artist that writes and or produces their own stuff to be open enough to embrace other yeah. writers and other that's producers. That's right. And I think that's a smart move. Yeah. To open up and embrace other writers because, because you don't have all the answers all Yeah. The time. And I think for especially for the art and for the consumer it says that I don't have to to be the driver of the vehicle all the time. That's right. You know what I mean? And and I I me allowing myself to embrace other producers and other writers is only for the best song. And at the end of the day, I am willing to do what it takes to create the best songs. That's songs. Right. I wish I, I, I wish more. I, I, I wish back in the days more rap artists were thought that way. Yeah. And and realize because you know rap with us, hip hop and rap started out as you know anti-establishment. What was going on? Yeah. And it was this thing about you as an artist that you write. You know, if you didn't write as a hip hop artist, like yeah. fuck out of here. You right. That, you that, know, that, but if they get older, if they would embrace that, yeah. so now let me have this camp where yeah. I got all these producers and writers in here writing shit for me. It will allow me to last longer. Yeah, as an artist, you right though, and and it really that that whole vibe really originated from hip hop. You right, like hip hop artists feeling. Yeah, like, nah, not right. Yeah. I got, I got, I, I got to write my own rhymes, b. Like, yeah. what I look you know, like, yeah, you know, Drake, rhymes, b. Yeah, you know, Drake went through that shit with the, with the, what's the kid name? Chris, yell it out. Quentin. Yeah, Q. and see, this, this How is. How was his name? Miller. Quentin, Quentin Miller. Quentin Miller. Yeah. yeah, he went through that shit with that. But I'm like, my my state of mind has always been, listen to Diddy. Don't worry if I write rhymes, I, I write, write checks. checks. And this, this is my thing. Uh, uh, this is my take with that Drake situation. What people fail to realize is Drake have had many hits that he's written himself. He he's already proven, overproven, that he could do it on his own. Right. And the fact that he was he he was still open enough to embrace other people to come in and work with him says how great musically he is. Right. Because he ha- but it's 2018. He gets it. He gets Times it. have changed. Who gives a fuck? Like nobody really give it. a fuck if somebody yeah. else wrote the lyrics. Nobody because yeah. it's about your performance in the first place. Yeah. It's about selling it and making people believe. I t- it. I, t- I think it still does kind of matter in the hip hop um, genre to the to the sense of. If you if you is one of those type of artists that pride yourself as an MC uh-huh. or a lyricist and you yeah, really absolutely. be out there like nah bars I got bars right but you ain't writing none of those bars then that's where it's like come on now you know what I mean come yeah. on now but you know but if you are if you is one of those artists like let's say like a little Uzi who has came out and say I ain't no lyricist I ain't no MC right I know I'm out here trying battle rap I just out here making music it's about the feeling it's about the vibe and about the vibe you know what I mean I feel like artists like that should embrace and um um working with other writers and producers. You could chop my motherfucking over fifty year old right arm off right now if Jay Z called me and said, I'm writing a whole fucking album for you, Ed. I know, right? I'm in the studio tonight. Facts. With one arm. Facts. I'm not I don't give a fuck. Facts. I don't care if nobody <laughs> wants the fucking album. 
Facts. Jay's call and say, yo, my nigga, you're going to be the first over 50 nigga to go platinum. I'm, I'm there tonight on my own bank, anything. I'll sleep in the studio on the floor because yeah. you have to embrace it because it is, at the end of the day, the music business. Yeah. So absolutely. you guys went to this camp for Rihanna, hooked up with uh, Mike Will Made It. Yep. And wrote and, um, it up. And so what happened was, prior to us... <coughs> Doing the camp in LA and hooking up with Mike Will, they did a, a Rihanna writing camp in London. So, mm-hmm. we, so we we went to London. Me and my brother literally wrote like twenty three songs <laughs> while we were in London. Right. They didn't like any of those. So mine, as a artist writer, does that hurt? Hell yeah, because it ain't even pride and ego. None of that stuff is. That's my time. That's my time away from my family. Away from my personal enjoyments of this. And your personal music. You're an artist my too. My personal music. That's my time. And, um, you know, but don't get me wrong. It still was a journey that if 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 I had to do it all over again, I would have do it that exact same way. Because all it did was make me and my brother more hungry. I like, oh, wow, like, our songs really ain't that good? All right, watch what we <laughs> about to do next. Right. Our 21 songs wasn't that good? Watch the next 21 songs we write. You know what I mean? And um, so we... Get back from London, and then they tell us they invite us to the next one in LA. When we go to LA, start writing. Boo, um, Akon's brother. Akon brother, shout out to Boo. Yeah, he was A and I in the project at the time, and um, Boo in the room, and we were working on some other stuff, and Boo kind of shut it down. I was like, Yo, I'm not gonna lie to y'all, man. The the space that Rihanna is in right now, like you know, she's she's having fun, she's going out, she's partying, she's going to the clubs. Her favorite song right now is Bands That Make A Dance by Juicy J. Like, she's in that that place right now. So if y'all could give us something like that type of vibe, that energy, something that lives in that world where she, you know, her and her homegirls out to, at the club, her record come on, it shuts the whole party down, something like that. And me and my brother was like, okay, cool. Mike will say, I got it. He already had the beat. He was like, I already got it. He pull up the beat, me and my brother were like, all right, cool. Ten minutes. Mike Will, Mike Will went to the to the gas station to grab like some drinks and shit One and come geez. right back. <laughs> and by the time he come back, the whole song was done. And we we if you listen to the song, the song is like two minutes and change. We never wrote a bridge because the access to write a bridge and me and my brother were like, listen, dog, we don't write 23 songs. If you don't like this song before it get to our, the bridge, then you just don't like our shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they loved it. So Mike Will pulls the beat up for y'all in the studio. I like some fucking orange juice. I'll be back. And he goes back. Where did, who said pour it up, pour it up? My brother. So what what happened was beat come on, you know, we just, and we we were just, my true story, we were at the Clive Davis pre-Grammy party in LA one year. Um, What's his name? Quincy Jones walks up to my brother. Mine, we don't know Quincy Jones from a kind of pain. Quincy Jones walk up to my brother. Hey, man, how you been? Man, how's, how's the songwriting going? <laughs> it's fucking Quincy Jones. Right. That <laughs> motherfucker. Like, this is Quincy Jones. You know? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, where Quincy Jones know who he is? He probably didn't. Who, right. Who knows? Somebody told Quincy. But. Songwriting motherfucker to, right To there. us, so in yeah. our head, and that moment, I refuse to ever let anybody strip it away from us. He knew who the fuck we was. Right. So anyway, he said, hey, man. I'm going to just give you a, a quick little pointer. When you're writing them songs, fuck them verses. Hooks. Whole song need to be a hook. And as we left that, about the, two days later, we had the session with Mike Will and Rihanna. And, um, and Rihanna wasn't there, by the way, but um, it was just us and Mike Will. Mike Will leave, and my brother pulled up, pulled up. He just started, and I was like, yo, that's dope. Straight clubs in Dollar Bill, and I still got more money. And we we purposely say, and I still got more money, repetitively like that throughout the verses, because fuck them verses. Hooks. And me and my brother felt like if you could say, and I still got more money, even if that's the only part of the verse you remember, you could sing along to it all throughout the whole verse. And then when it, when it came to the pre-hook right before the hook, that was me. I was in there like, yo, I just feel like it Just needs. some shit that you just said, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I just pull that shit out the sky, yo. 
You know what I mean? And um, oh, I fucking amazing how hit records are made. Yeah, I just, you just out of nowhere, y'all got the pour it up, pour it up, and you just oh, 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 all I see is signs, all yeah. I see is dollars. That's you. And then yep. And then what he happened did it is, one. I remember you did it one. You did it one time, one take, one take. I learned, I learned from the best of the best, and I learned from Jay Z, one take, one take. Right. So, what happened is, um, I remember the movie um, Six Sense. Right. When the little boy say, I see dead people. And I was just thinking, like, I see. I was like, all I see is dead people. I was like, nah, that don't sound right. That don't sing well. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out a cool way to say all I see is money. Right. right. I mean, because, you know, it's a strip club record. So I try and think, oh, what's a cool new way to say money? All I see is science. Science. Like, and then it was a movie, Science, by the same director that did Sixth Sense. Right. Dollar Science. Oh shit! And you know me and my brother, we big on movies. Like all we do is watch movies, <laughs> for real. Like all day long, like movies galore. So, so that's how we came up with that part. And then we piece it together. We see yo in the voices. We just gotta say all the coolest shit. Because and you know what happened? What we felt like, like y'all are ladies. Y'all you know go out, hang out. When women go to the club, we just felt like there's no female artists that plays in the club that when they come on in the club women lose their mind women, right women lose their mind to nigga shit yeah two chains right gucci man migos that's the shit that woman want hear. right and we just felt like yo like if a woman had a record from a woman talking that shit that they like to hear from two chains right you know, you know what i mean they would love it. it. It would live in the clubs forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and don't get me wrong, like Beyonce, of course, she's Beyonce. You play any Beyonce record in the club. Yeah, but, women be, but, but until I've been drinking. Right. I've been drinking. She, it, Rihanna is a different vibe. Yeah. You know, like Rihanna did. You want to know why? Bitch better have my money and shit like that. And then y'all gave a pour it up. And that was like, that is women talking that man shit. That is women yep. popping bottles. That is women. Yep. I still then, got more money. Like, fuck y'all. And what was unique about Pour It Up is that as guys, we felt great singing that song. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like if a Beyonce song come on, I'm sorry. What real nigga is singing that? <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? And yeah, we love and respect Beyonce. We love the shit out of Beyonce, but I ain't singing single ladies. Right. That ain't my shit. Well, you know, right. right. Like, that's not for us. But Pour It Up, that's for us, nigga. Strip clubs and dollar bills, nigga, she talking to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what she talking about. You know what I mean? And you know, and, um, even the, um, the Man Down record, when we do the Man Down record, at the time, um, this is when she was still on Def Jam. And, you know, Def Jam told us straight out, nah, you know, we don't we don't really want, like, no reggae records or no, like, Caribbean sounding records or mine, but she beige on, though. Right. Like, she's a beige on Her first female, record like. was that. You know what I mean? So, we, me and my brother is like, after your, her first album, she has yet to do a Caribbean record. Like, Caribbean people love her. We love, you want to know why? She's the biggest. Right. And she belongs to us. Fuck what anybody That's say. right. She is 100% pure West Indian. 100 million <laughs> streams. Facts. The only female artist that has done it. Beyonce hasn't done that. 200 fucking million streams. Facts, yo. And she is from the Caribbean. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, 100%. So don't don't go away from that. Yeah, That's fucking so, retarded. So when we do when we do Man Down, you know, they, they were against it. And then um, Boo, again, a calm brother. Right. Um, he was, Boo were like, yo, let me, and I know what they're saying, but like, I know her personally. I, I gonna go see her and play for her. Let me at least play for her so, let, so she could hear it. Because I would hate that she ain't even heard this record and then eventually hear it after the album come out and like, why nobody never play me this song? And Boo um, played it for her and she loved it. She, immediately she was like, I have to sing this song. You know, and um, we've had a really great um, work relationship with Rihanna ever since. And, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of work with her and her new record as well. Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak too much about it to give away um, what she's working on, but I think this project, if it, if it all... You know, if it all goes well with everything that we've been doing, I think it's going to really, really surprise the consumer and it's going to be really, really wicked. Good, man. Wicked. That's it, good. It been, it been, um, Sometimes it take that one motherfucker just to knock that door down and then uh, are people coming at you guys left and right crazy yeah, now? Yeah. 
That's good. Yeah. Shit, you should be smiling. That's good shit. I t- I'll tell you what. Um, th- just so you know, like, you know, like, to say it is one thing. I am a true artist. Right. The songwriting thing, as as much as I am, um, I am forever grateful for that blessing. I am a true artist. You know what I mean? So with that being said, I ain't gonna, you ain't gonna never ever see me fully excited until Rock City, the group, is the shit around the wall. And I, you know. We gonna continue putting out music and, and doing shows and all of that cool stuff. And you know, we we, we um, twenty fifteen we had a record with us and um, Adam Levine. Yeah, locked away. That was a really really big record for us. You know, what I mean, that definitely changed our life in a lot of different ways. Um, my struggle with that personally is it was an Adam Levine hit. It wasn't a Rock City hit, even though we wrote the whole song. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, it's it's more... Adam Levine is such a, a celebrity that... It becomes his record. Yeah. Which, by default, is, is, is no way around it. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, like, I'm still very appreciative of having Adam Levine on our record. He's still Adam Levine, like... Right. You know what I mean? And and that helped. We were able to go on tour with Maroon 5. You know what I mean? So that was really, really dope, and I am forever grateful for that. But I felt like the record was really really amazing and it could have it could have stand without a, a, a huge feature on it you know what i mean and you know I, I get it you know we two brothers from the caribbean in a hip-hop group together this is a hit it is a hit but it's a guaranteed hit if we put a big feature on it adam levine i get it you know what i mean but you know i, I would have been way more excited and felt way more great about it if it was uh, you know, uh, even if it was still what it was, but we were still able to get those looks. You know what I mean? You know, but it was all about Adam Levine. And again, I, I get it. I totally get it. So now, all I could do now is get my ass up off my white sitting on mm-hmm. and walk, you know, way harder than I did 2015. And, and, tell, and tell me about things you see on St. Thomas. So things you see on St. Thomas... Um, over the years, me and my brother have been dibbling and dabbling with the style of rapping in our local Virgin Islands accent, and we did it a few and, and a few and our album, um, uh, "What Dreams Are Made Of," is a few songs where you hear it off and on, and we've been doing it forever back home in the Virgin Islands, but we never did a full project where we we did it, and. We wanted to create our own genre because we felt like still to this day, people don't know what to identify us with. Is Are they pop? Are they hip-hop? Are they reggae? Are they calypso? What are they? And so we say, you know something, we're going to create our own genre with this. So things you see on St. Thomas, we took it back to when we were actually still living on St. Thomas and shit was fucked up. You know what I mean? And we've been living in Atlanta, so it's it's very atlanta influence production wise you know what i mean and a lot of our cadences and shit is atlanta you know and i i have to give props to atlanta for that because we you know we've been living here you know if we were living in new york we probably would have sound like some new york virgin islanders but we've been right. living in atlanta so we sound like some atlanta virgin islanders you know and um the whole project j- is pretty much talking about shit you would see on st thomas you know, from the street side to the the, politi- the political side, to the kids, the parents, the families, everything. The beaches, the, it's not just beaches and palm trees. Oh, that's what they here. want you to think, though. Of course. They of shield course. your ass away from all the real shit going on in yeah. St. Thomas. Also of, because we were affected by the hurricanes, too. That, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, too. And, you know, after the hurricanes, after that happened, too, we just felt like, you know something? We want to shine a light on not just St. Thomas, but the Virgin Islands. Um, in a positive way because the hurricanes was something negative you know what I mean and in a positive way we gonna put music just hopefully it could um, give people the nostalgia of growing up in the Virgin Islands those Virgin Islanders are moved to the states now and you know and Virgin Islanders are actually still living there they could ride around to this project and you know not only that I used to always kind of feel a way 
when I would be around my American friends, and don't get me wrong, technically I am American, but you understand what I'm saying. When I would be around my American friends, and let's say they have a favorite artist in Atlanta, their new favorite artist is, let's say it's 21 Savage. And they know all the words, and they could relate to all the Atlanta's lingo, and the zone four, and zone six, and I don't know what none of that shit mean. But I still fuck with 21 Savage, that shit jamming. Right. Now Virgin Islands people, when they get around their American friends, 20, oh, you like 21 Savage? Listen to this shit. These man from where I from. <laughs> they, they, they're talking my lingo. Right. They're talking about my shit. And the name that we came up for our um with for our genre is called Gravel. And <clears throat> the meaning behind of Gravel is is a, uh, is Virgin Islands based. The origin of Gravel is rocks, stones. And we are from St. Thomas Rock City. Right. And the, uh, St. Thomas Virgin Islands is a representation of the Virgin Islands in a whole. And there's other artists from the Virgin Islands that's rapping in the local Virgin Islands accent. And we just felt like, yo, if we create our own genre and give it a name now, people know exactly what to identify it with. Now, if you hear a Jamaican or a Trini or a Haitian or a Bayesian or a Guyanese rapping over trapped out beats like that with their local Guyanese accent or their local Trini accent is gravel music and they get a shit from the Virgin Islands and Rock Cities who created it. There you go, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming in, bro. Absolutely. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. Oh, it's anytime, man. Rock City, man. Y'all make sure that y'all check it out. Yes. All right, teams you see on St. Thomas. And big up to y'all, man. Continued success, man. Thank you. For thank real. You. Continued success all the way across the board. It's, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. And thank y'all for listening to Come On, Son, the podcast. Keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about your ass next Monday. Be good if you can. Be good. Be careful, all right? Till the next time we ride together, slide together, laugh out loud together. Y'all be safe, and God bless each and every one of y'all. Come on, son. It's the podcast. Now get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.